Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm really excited. I think I say I'm really excited for every podcast, but this one is a different sort of excitement. It's a different excitement vibe because I actually have a friend here with me who is someone that I've had many, 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 many conversations with, um, but it's been a long time kind of in the works to get him on the podcast. So I've got my friend, Ren Jones here. Ren, tell us who you are and what you do and something cool about you. Yeah. Well, the coolest thing about me is that I'm an Aries like Jillian. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of Ram energy uh, coming your way here. Uh, Aries, obviously first in line of all the Zodiac signs, best in line and the obvious choice for leader. We don't need to and go Ren into has that now today. officially alienated. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Every other Zodiac sign has logged off of the podcast. Um, so uh, yeah, I got into this. I got into this business through tragedy. Uh, most people that know me know that it had some difficulty with family members. I lost my brother at age 50. Not when I was 50, when he was 50, I haven't made it to 50 yet, but he had a, he had a major heart attack. He had a, he had a, ma a massive heart attack. Instantly he passed away. I worked in the corporate environment at that time. Unfortunately, four years after that, my older sister at 50 also, she decided to drink and get in the car. She had an addictive personality. She was an addict for a good portion of her life. She drank and got in the car, hit a tree and died instantly. And about two or three years after that, my mother, who had a, a massive stroke way back in the 80s, she succumbed to just, you know, the, you know, sort of surgeries and procedures and just declining health generally. And it was around that time that I became a certified personal trainer. As a matter of fact, uh, I signed up through National Academy of Sports Medicine uh, to get my personal training certification from seeing an 800 number listed on a commercial while I was beside my mother's hospital bed. We were watching football. Uh, so in February of that year, she passed away February 21st. Uh, March 17th, I passed my certification course. Uh, April, I turned 40. Uh, and by May, I was in business for myself. I'd given up the corporate career and went full time to help women with, uh, with wellness. And most of my methodology, most of the, uh, the, most of the way that I think about things exercise wise, really is, and Jillian's got the same sort of background that I do, not the family loss, but we sort of think in the same circles. It's just getting clients one step better, right? You can, you can make a lot of difference in a person's life if you can just get them to drink one more glass of water or do one more exercise routine or, or walk one more block, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, man, that's, that's sort of my superpower is sort of maximizing the minimal uh, in terms of wellness. And, uh, and again, Jillian and I sort of work in the same headspace as far as helping people make a lifetime change, not just that quick fix stuff uh, that gets your booty tight for the summer. Yeah, <laughs> nothing I, wrong yeah. with a tight booty. For all you no. tight booty people out there, enjoy your tight booties. I'm not disparaging you in any way. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And, and Ren, you know, I've heard that I've heard you tell that story so many times and it 
Like it never ceases. It's like the tug at your heartstrings type story. And it's one of those things that I think a lot of people, when they start to make changes to their nutrition or their diet, a lot of the time it is spurred on by seeing someone else, like perhaps not the level of tragedy that you saw, but by seeing someone else and be like, oh my gosh, like I don't want that for me. And so it's that extrinsic motivator when it comes to health. But then on the other side, and this is kind of like going along with what we're going to talk about today, is like there's that other side of like masking, like I'm going to do this for health, but really where it's coming from is is this belief that like my health and my worth in society will be better if my body is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that something that you and I see, and we've heard this both from clients before is sort of like, you know, they'll come from a doctor and a doctor be like, your BMI is high. You need to lower your BMI. And so they'll go on what they think is a health journey through methods that aren't promoting health. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of present what Ren and I are going to focus on today is a concept called body autonomy. And you may have heard me mention this on the podcast before. The reason why I wanted to talk about body autonomy is because often when I work with clients and I bet this, you see this a lot too, and and I'm going to ask you about this in a second, is we see especially women, but definitely men as well, making decisions to change their bodies or do, or, or yeah, basically change their bodies in, in a way that isn't necessarily motivated by something that they are making a choice over. It's because they feel compelled to do so. And body autonomy is essentially this concept of you being able to make choices, autonomous choices about what you do with your body. And so I wanted to ask you, Ren, when you phrase this or talk about this with your clients, because I know I've heard the word auto- body autonomy from you a ton of times, how does it come up in conversation? Yeah, you know, two ways, but because of the fact, oh, and, and I, sh- I should mention, um, you know, I operate specifically online as a coach. So everything that I do is online, which means I have a lot of contact with social media. Um, the mainstay of my clientele will probably come, probably 97% will come from some engagement on social media. So when you add social media to this question, one of the clearest ways that body autonomy comes up is in the, um, the polarizing thoughts of those who are sort of aesthetically minded. Do you hear knocking? I don't hear knocking. Okay. Those who are sort of, <laughs> it's, it may just be in my head. Um, so the way that it comes up on social media is those who are sort of polarized to the end of being aesthetically minded. Um, we've got professional, I'm going to use quote fingers, coaches out there. Uh, let's say, for instance, and I'll mention her because I don't think she's an avid listener, but she might be. Let's say a Jillian Michaels, who's gotten into controversy after controversy. Oh. Um, the other Jillian. Controversy oh. after controversy. Recently saying something to the effect of anybody can, any woman can have six-pack abs. They just need to want it bad enough and work for it, right? You've got people on that polarizing end. But then they're coexisting with the healthy at every size folks, right? On the other end of the polarizing camp. And what Jillian and I talk so often about, and I know we're going to talk about it today, is the gray, the middle, the nuance that's often lost in the polarizing issue. So for my clients, I'll hear, or potential clients, I should say, I'll hear one or two statements. I've got to lose weight so I can be healthy. May or may not be true. May or may not be true. Um, or um, I want to exercise and feel my best, um, but 
I'm not going to stress myself by trying to lose weight because that's just wrong, right? So they either have a deep belief on one side or the other. And oftentimes, like I'm sure you are, Jillian, we're, we're kind of introducing them to body autonomy. We're the ones that say, well, what are your, for the, po for the person that says, I've got to lose weight for my health, we are more likely to say, and not operating outside of our scope of practice, but we're more likely to say, well, what kind of indication do you have in your blood work? Like, is, is, there a, is there a blood sugar issue? Is there a blood pressure issue? You know, do you have joint issues, mobility issues? No, but my BMI is high. Okay, but what else is going on? And we will introduce that client sometimes to, well, you don't technically have to lose weight. You sound as if you're healthy by the information you've gotten from your doctor. Did they mention anything else to you? No, they just said my BMI is high. On the other side of the equation, we get the healthy at every size person who says, uh, it's wrong to lose weight. Um, so I'm not going to pursue that. And we'll say, well, you know, you have the right to do that if you want to. And they say, but isn't it wrong of if I want to lose weight? Isn't that narcissistic or et cetera, et cetera? No, it's your body. So actually, you're able to do what you decide for your body. My job, and I know Jillian approaches it the same way, my job is just to help you make the most healthful journey to the goal that you decide. And that's wrapped up in client-centered coaching, which we both practice. That's wrapped up in body agency, right? And that's wrapped up in body autonomy. So that's sort of the initial conversation that I'll have with a potential client. Uh, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, it definitely does. And I think, you know, I love that you bring up kind of the binary, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think yep. that now, you know, we tend to swing from like one end of the spectrum to another end of the spectrum really quickly in the yep. social media world. And I think that it's one of the things that has become up a lot in my client calls recently is this, this idea, you can't see me right now, but I'm holding up like two hands, like like cups almost, and this idea of holding two things to be true. Mm -hmm. And and I think that this in the conversation of body autonomy is so, so important because you can choose to lose body fat or gain muscle mass or whatever it is in, in, in pursuit of a change of your body and also not feel like your life is going to change in any incredibly drastic way if you do right. so. And so I think that the root, the way that I see the root of body autonomy is being that like you can, you can prefer to that you, for your body to be smaller or more muscular, whatever that is. And at the same time, you can also recognize that like that doesn't say anything about who you are as a person, but you are free to make that choice. And I think when we see those binaries on either end of the spectrum, it's kind of saying that one or the other is, is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that I think is really, really unfair because we are breathing, thinking, living, like multifaceted people. Yep. And Jillian Michaels shouldn't be able to tell you what to do with your body in the same vein as some anti-diet health at every size right. dietitian shouldn't tell you what you shouldn't do with your body either. And so the, the root of what I want to get to here, which I think we're sort of like funneling into is like, okay, cool. Say I'm a person and I'm starting coaching and you know what? I... I want to untangle, like I have a fat loss goal, but like, how do I know if this is a, if this, if this is me practicing body autonomy and saying, I want to lose body fat and it's my choice. Or mm -hmm. if I'm pursuing this fat loss goal, because I feel like I have to, or I am pressured to, for some reason, how the freaking hell do we balance that out? Yeah. I, I think 
you know, as a coach, and I believe you're asking this from sort of a, a coaching perspective first and a client perspective second, as, as a coach, and I've said this a lot before in, in, our, in our clubhouse rooms, on our Instagram live uh, broadcast, my biases scare the hell out of me as a coach, right? And, and I, I said this on JK's podcast. JK is a good friend. He's been on the podcast. Yeah, here, I've been on his podcast as well. you've been on his, right? So, you know, I said this on JK's podcast. I, I see people, coaches and potential clients, looking at wellness through sort of the, the eyes of a three-headed monster, right? Like a, like a three-headed dragon. Um, you know, and the first, the first head of the dragon is bias, right? And then they look at things secondarily through the lens of diet culture, and then if they're lucky enough and they study enough, they start to look at, the, at things through the lens of actual science and psychology. But I think we start with, with that first head. It, it's like the, uh, the meme that they put out where it's got a, a three-headed dragon and the third head looks like stupid. And I hate to use that word. I don't mean that generalizing anybody, but third head is like cross-eyed and it's got his tongue out. Um, so, and I came in the same way. When I came in, my biases were, as a coach, that everybody needs to lose body fat because I was raised in a household where people talked poorly about people who were overweight or in larger bodies. They said that they were lazy or they were greedy or they don't work hard or they're, um, or, or they're, um, they're untrustworthy, like, right? This was the casual language that I heard in my home because nobody in my home was in a larger body, right? So I came into this business thinking, Day one, I'm going to help everybody lose weight because everybody needs to be smaller. Then you've got diet culture. And for me, diet culture was sort of all the reading I had done of literature, like um, Muscle and Fitness Magazine, et cetera, et cetera. And I would tell people things like you need to eat six small meals a day to stoke your metabolic fiber, uh, fire, right? That's really diet culture stuff. That's me consuming information from the internet, not, not fact-checking sources, and taking that assumption and presenting it as truth, right? But then, and this is the more important of them, especially in terms of body autonomy, from a coaching perspective, then I continued to study. Jillian and I continued to study. We got more certifications. We read more books from evidence-based professionals. We had more experience with clients. And then that last head of the dragon eats the other two, and you operate better. There are so many people, coaches in particular, on social media in particular, that are only working with the first two heads of that dragon. The third head's still kind of stupid, like in that meme. Um, and what I see this problematic is, and I was going to post about this today, Jillian, I don't understand how someone can work in this business for a decade and still only push weight loss as an effective methodology of improved health. Like that can be part of it, that's fine. But I don't know how you have all these experiences with clients, all the opportunities for learning to improve your understanding of the science, the new science that continually reveals itself, right? Because that's a piece of it. Uh, and then the only thing you ever, ever, ever talk about is weight loss. I also don't understand on the other side. I don't see how you can work with people for 10 years and only say it's evil to want to consciously reduce body fat. Like there's just too much informa information for an educated professional 
to be so polarized on the issue of body autonomy that they that they ignore a person's body autonomy to preach their religion of uh, of exercise and nutrition. So that that's sort of my thought. Yeah, I mean, I think from the coaching perspective, I, I think that a lot of people within our industry are still very much in the space of like, I am doing this to make money and, and then I'm doing this to help people second. Right. And so I think that this is where it's like, we do see people like Jillian Michaels, who is not promoting body autonomy. She is actively promoting body shame. Right. And just to give you, you guys, if you're listening, the a recent reel that Jill, Jillian Michaels posted was like, you know, I'm 40 and I have abs, like you don't want it bad enough. And, and the comments were just like, like there was, it was, it was like a battle in the comments of people being like, yeah, Jill, like if you, you like, you need to want it bad enough. And then other people being like, this is horribly body shaming. And so right. this is again, like we see the, the, the polarity here. And I think that what happens is when you go into as a coach and then, so first as a coach, when you go into this business is like, yes, there is the potential to, to make a lot of money. And hopefully we're all making enough to live off of. And some people are making more than others, but at the same time, at some point or another, we need to recognize that like we actually have a direct impact on people's lives. Mm -hmm. And if our goal is not to make people's lives better for the long run, then what are we doing? And then I think when we're, when we talk sort of on the client side, like speaking directly to someone that is listening right now and is, is saying, Hey, you know what? Like I want to lose body fat but I'm not hundred percent sure if the reason why I want to lose body fat is because I genuinely prefer my body when it looks X, Y, Z way, or if, because I feel pressured, you know, I feel pressure to fit back into my old jeans or all of my friends are losing weight or, you know, I see photos of myself and I feel like I don't like how I look or, you know, my doctor's telling me like, there's all of these external reasons and, and this is just background on me. You know, if you've listened, I think it's episode 26 and 27. I talk about my personal journey with a lot of this stuff. And I did not feel body autonomy in my own body for a very, very long time. So yeah, how would you, like if we're speaking directly to someone that is trying to figure that out, what do we, what do they need to know? I, th this is such a great question. And th there's so many things that you touched on as you were making those comments. That, that I want to go back to, but I, I'll answer this question directly. Um, the great thing is the great thing about health is you can pursue it with no specified agenda up front, right? And 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 sometimes both Jillian and I will get a client that they don't have a specific empirical data-driven goal other than I just know I need to get moving. And I knew I know I need to eat. I want better. to feel better. I just want to feel better. And that's enough. And sometimes out of error, coaches will pressure them into saying, yeah, but how much how much weight do you want to lose? Or what's your what's your goal for your the runtime for your mile? Wanting to feel better is not a great selling point. And I think we get confused as coaches. It's not great marketing language because it's not definable. It doesn't sell. But wanting to feel better is a great goal from the client perspective. And the great thing is, no matter what, the same things are probably going to happen. Again, we're probably going to ask you to drink a little bit more water, right? We're going to probably going to ask you to up the veggies. We're probably going to tell you, hey, you need a little bit more protein for your body to recover, whether that's animal protein or plant-based protein. Again, autonomous 
means everything. So you get to choose that. Um, we're probably going to ask you to move a little bit more. Hey, can you start with a walk? Can you get in a workout? Like, what are you capable of at this time? And you can do all that without knowing with definition exactly what you want your waist circumference to be or exactly how much you want to squat or deadlift. Like, it's okay to just move and eat well because you love feeling better. That's a, that's a great start. And I think that most coaches that subscribe to body autonomy, probably that's going to be the choice that they make, right? They're just going to let you be and be healthier and love yourself more. You can decide later, okay, now that I feel better, you know, I think I'd like to, and this, this happens often, it probably happened to Jillian, you know, people will decide that they want, they isolated something that they want to do. And, and from my perspective, Jillian, you give me your perspective, I love to hear. From my perspective, they'll want to maybe do a Tough mutter or maybe do a 5K, or they might want to get on stage as a physique competitor. That's not my wheelhouse, but if they feel that, I love it. And I think it's because of the confidence that they get from prioritizing themselves and having autonomy over their own decisions. What's your thought about the things that people will pop up and sort of want to do after they spent like a month or two with you and they, they start to throw these goals at you. So, you know, what's really interesting is because I approach, like I approach the process with all of my clients, like starting with like, well, what is important to you as a human? And so I've seen, interestingly, the majority of the clients that I've started working with recently have that come to me and they say, you know what? I've kind of got two things going on. Like I want to lose some weight and I also want to improve my relationship with food. And we talk about that and we realize like, okay, cool. So we're going to work on relationship with food stuff first. And then we're going to see how your body reacts to that. Mm -hmm. Because when you make that choice to become friends with the way that you eat, then later on, if you do decide, hey, you know what, like feeling pretty cool about how I eat, like I have my systems in place, like this works for the type of life that I want to live, then making the shift to like exercising slightly more or eating slightly less becomes quite an easy transition mm -hmm. rather than running head first into, I need to lose, you know, 20 pounds or 20 kilos or whatever, you know, whatever metric you want to use and, and not addressing the part of like, yes, but you're also feeling a lot of stress and, um, disorganization and noticing a lot of disorganization around the yeah. way that you eat. And so that body autonomy piece, I think need, I, I, and this is, if this doesn't, if you're listening to this and you're like, Jillian, what the hell are you talking about? This is the, this is where you get to give me feedback. I think that this is where like making friends and making peace with food and creating habits that support the type of life you want to lead. And I'll give you an example, like creating a structure in which you're like, Hey, I know that I'm, that I'm probably going to choose one of these three choices for breakfast. And I know that I have this food in my house. And I know that, you know, on days that I have to work outside the home, I'm going to make that the night before. Like that is something where you get to choose how you structure that, but it facilitates the type of life that you want to lead. And then if you do make the choice of, oh, you know, I, I think I'd like to lose a couple pounds. It's a lot easier. 
-hmm. But I think that we come into it feeling like this urgency. And I think a lot of the reason why we don't feel body, like body autonomy is because we feel so much urgency around, I need to reach this goal right now. I'm running late. It's too late. I've tried all these other things and didn't work. And so how do you, how do you see that? Cause I think you work with a lot of women that also feel that urgency. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that, that brings us right back to body autonomy because it, it speaks to what you said, what's the source of the desire, right? Yeah. And I think every good coach, particularly, maybe especially when a client's in a hurry, one of the first things that I'm going to try to do is get to the source of the desire, right? Because there's something else that's more important than the end results that they're rushing to. I, and I don't immediately know what it is. And in these cases, and if you're listening out there and you've worked through these processes, maybe without a coach, you probably found that if you rushed your way to the end result, you find yourself as dissatisfied as before, if not more so, because you never addressed what the actual thing was. Um, it's a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You know, you feel like, oh, this will solve this. And in this way, I still, it's an avoidance tactic, right? Mm. You know, sometimes we avoid feelings with food, Sometimes we avoid feelings by taking on an exercise and nutrition program. And we still have those things unresolved, but we think we can avoid going through the center of that discomfort, resting with the discomfort, addressing the issues. We think that we can sort of um, hop, skip, and jump over all that if we address our body first, uh, because we think that's what really the, the, the issue is really you know, my physical presence, but left unattended. And, it, and again, this goes back to body autonomy. This is why it's so important. Left unchecked, you're just going to be a different, uh, the same person with challenges where you may not feel as um, confident, uh, at peace, purposeful, fulfilled. Um, you're just going to be that same person and, and now a different body. And you'll be more confused because now you don't know what else to reach out to, to take care of because you did the body thing. Now what? I thought this would fix it. It didn't. What's wrong with me? That is even more problematic than, uh, than the issue itself because now, you know, it's like, and this is a side note, it, it's, it's like, a, um, it's like a, a big monster movie or something or I watched Independence Day the other day. Uh, it was Independence Day when I watched it. I watched that maybe every July 4th. And there's a scene where they unload a nuclear bomb on the alien ship, right? Uh, and the bomb, did, the, the nuclear bomb didn't destroy the ship. And now the, I remember being in the theater, because I'm old, uh, in 96, watching it. And I remember the whole audience being like, oh my God, now what, right? And that's the feeling you get when you skip past body autonomy when you skip past resting with the discomfort, even worse, when someone else tells you to lose weight and that'll fix your problems, then you get to the end, you drop that nuclear bomb and the enemy's still there and you are clueless about what to do. And that will typically start a cascade of um, self-sabotaging behavior because you just throw your hands up. Like what now? Um, and that that's important to realize and that's why it's so crucial to not let someone tell you that you do or do not need to do something with your body and that will or will not solve your problem. Coaches are here to assist you, um, not dictate. We don't choose for you. 
we try to make sure that your choices are informed. Um, we don't ask you to do things. We support you in the most healthful way while you're doing the things that you've chosen to do. Uh, and that's an important distinction in all of wellness. And I hate to isolate, but I only work with this population. I would say, particularly for women, uh, that's, that's important because so many avenues, I don't want to get into what's happening here in the U.S., uh, but so many things are trying to tell you all the time what you have the right to do and not do with your body. Uh, I'll, I'll land that plane there. That's, that's a tangent <laughs> I can go on for hours. No, I, I think that you, so something really, really important that you said there, and I think this is going to help us kind of zoom out because, you know, speak, speaking from, we, I think we were speaking a, a lot on like the, the individual level of like, Hey, like this doctor is telling you that you need to do this or this, you know, this coach is telling you that you need to do this. And I think that it's important to, that we take in sort of a greater vision of like, well, it's not just a single person. There's a lot of cultural pressure that women and men, I don't want to leave men out of this, feel when it comes to their bodies. And I think this has to do with a word that you said that I, I want to just bring back up because I think it's, a, it's something that comes up a lot is this idea that somehow changing my body will fix it. <laughs> and I think that a lot of us pick that up, like that underlying belief we pick that up, not because one person has told us, but because it's been an undercurrent of many different experiences of the media, of so much that we take in over time. And so we do get to this point, whether you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, 50s, 60s. I mean, this does not have an age limit where you are under the belief that if I change my body, that will fix something about it, which is not body autonomy because you're not making that choice. So let's talk a little bit about those cultural pressures. Yeah, man, you know, it's, it's, rough, on, it's rough on women. Uh, I'm gonna date myself by saying this, but you can pick up any magazine. If magazines, I mean, they do exist, but not to the capacity that they used to. You can pick up any magazine for wellness or fitness or anything, uh, particularly if the mag magazine is sex and or gender specific, right? And you'll see, see things on a women's magazine like, um, you know, how to look good in the bridesmaids dress this summer, right? How to make um, him, how to make him blah, 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 whatever. whatever. Make him something so you can be worthy, blah, blah, blah. Or 1,200 calorie meal plans so you can lose weight by next shrink. weekend. It's, uh, it's, it's what I like to call uh, shrinking subservience, right? Everything physically is about you shrinking. Everything socially is about you being subservient uh, and bringing something to you uh, so that someone so that another entity will desire you more. So you can be a, a possession of something or someone else, right? You look at a men's magazine, it's talking about things like dominate the boardroom, right? Get get stronger than a bear, right? Just just amaz amazing thing. How to how to attract everything into your life that you've ever wanted, you know. Be, be a philanthropist, how to donate your time and money to causes that are important. Like, so from the start, that pressure starts because we, we inundate boys with leadership and we inundate women, young ladies with acceptance, right? As long as it's not their own acceptance, anybody's acceptance except, except theirs. You look at general media, right? Your, your average rom-com, uh, you'll, uh, you'll have the lead actress, who will be of a certain size, shape, body weight, and probably age, 
Uh, and you have her best friend who's normally a woman in a larger body, right? Um, or, or at the very least, just less attractive. Just less attractive, just less attractive generally. Uh, funny, but less attractive. Um, you look at the comic book genre uh, and the sexualization of, of the comic book heroine. Uh, I mean, how, how does, I've seen so many comic book heroines who are in like a bra top and a high mini skirt and heels. And I'm like, how do you defeat Thanos in that? Uh, it's just, you know, so everything has been on a step women to, to give the impression that there is one way to be. And that's the only way to be. And it's the right way to be. And anything existing outside of that, we see very little representation, more now, more now, but not nearly good enough. The, the last sort of major problem here is the actual science, what, what the wellness industry actually does and does not do. 90% of the time, any research that you've heard or read or rules, quote unquote, about exercise, nutrition, it's based on data that was done on men with a median age of 25 years old right? 25-year-old men. And so much of that doesn't apply to you. As little as 20% of all research in wellness is done on women. Um, Title IX uh, required uh, a small percentage of women's research to be done, according to the National Institute of Health. That's in the U U.S., though. I don't know about other places. Um, you look at the fact that 80% of all pharmaceutical medication that's removed from sale is removed because of a negative interaction uh, with women's physiology because women weren't a part of the test. It's too complicated for researchers to get the information they want in 30 days when you've got these fluctuating hormones to deal with, menstruation, if not perimenopause and the fluctuation in those hormones. So society and science as a whole just says, I do it without the women. And then we'll just give them the stuff that we find out from the men. And we'll hope for the we'll best. Just cross our fingers and be yeah, like, cross yeah, this should work out. We hope it works. <laughs> and if if a couple die, we'll change it. You know, we've got money for the lawsuits, suits, so no big deal. Like, that's a big, I'm going to say a bad word, Jillian. Say apologize. a bad word. This is my, it's, big, I think my podcast is explicit. Okay. That's a big rolling mound of shit that you're, that you're on the hill watching it come downhill towards you <laughs> ladies are about age six. About age seven, that shit rolls over you. And from then to death, unless somebody comes in and helps you get off, unless you happen to wedge yourself free, you're in that big ball of shit for the rest of your ride. Uh, and that's what Jillian and I, Jillian works with across genders. But uh, for me, I only work with women. But that's the kind of stuff that we're trying to save you from. And the lack of body autonomy is a direct, direct result of all of that. Because first we brainwash you into thinking you don't know better, right? How dare you? Uh, and then, you know, you work with a professional and they say, you need to do this. And then you go to the doctor and they point at that BMI chart and said, you need to be here regardless of anything else. They're weighing you before you get, it, get into, I mean, so much of what, so much of what the casual person will experience in terms of wellness in terms of medicine, pharmaceuticals will be the opposite of body autonomy, that it gives you the impression that it's no, more normal for you not to be able to decide what to do with your body. 
because it's actually more common. But because something's common doesn't mean that it's normal. And not respecting your body autonomy is not normal. That's not, yeah. that's not supposed to be like that. And I do want to recognize that like we are speaking of this like from a place of privilege. Like we are speaking this from, a, you know, we both live in Western countries. We both work yeah. with, with individuals that do have the, enough disposable income to like buy different kinds of food and attend mm-hmm. gyms or have like gyms in their homes and, yeah. and, and work with a coach. And so I, what, what I want to do, you guys know that I always love to end the podcast on actionable tips for practicing body autonomy. And we're going to include some tips that are also accessible to most people. Like I do want to also recognize, like we're not completely, we're not like out of touch with reality. There are people that genuinely do not have the option for body autonomy. And that is, it's not like, it, it's not something that we can just wish away. It's like, there are genuinely people that do not have control over what happens to their bodies. And that is heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's not what we're addressing on this podcast. And I am not well-versed enough in social justice to feel that I can speak on that. So I, but I do want to recognize it. Um, but I do want to move from that rolling pile of shit and talk about, cool. If we're stuck in the rolling pile of shit, you talked about like peeling yourself off of it. What are some actionable tips that people can take away to start practicing body autonomy in their own lives? Yeah, I think I think the first tip that I would get is start where you are. Start at your level of understanding. And based on what you understand at this point, uh, allow yourself the grace to articulate it the way that you mean it based on your understanding at the time. Because I think a lot of the times we open up the door to, we open up the door to sort of giving away our body autonomy uh, by asking people to tell us what we might need to do which is different between having professional guide you through a process. Like you get permission to be wrong and still say, this is what I want to have happen with my body. And I say wrong in the context of it may not be congruent with the actual science and methodology, but that's okay. Start where you are and articulate, um, articulate in a direct way, in your most authentic way. Here's what I want to have happen. Here's why. And and as you articulate that, sort of 1B for me would be to open yourself up to a growth mindset uh, and try to minimize your fixed mindset as you say this and you properly vet a professional so that you can take in any information that may assist you implying to correction to yourself. I try not to correct my clients. I try to listen to them and then I try to present the science so that they have the ability to apply correction to themselves because I'm nobody's parent, right? And I don't want to disrespect them in that way. It's hard uh, because sometimes you watch people sort of crash and burn. Um, but I would say step one is be willing to give yourself grace to articulate what you think and feel about your body at the time. Everybody has that right. That That's, that's where I would start. Um, Go ahead, Julian. Yeah, no, I was going to say on, on top of that, also, you know, people that listen to this podcast or just have ever come in contact with me, I think will expect what I'm about to say. And that is get in touch with your values, like learn what is important to you, not just when it comes to your body, but as a human. And the reason that I say this is partly because I've seen the transformation that it's had for so many of my clients, but also for me personally, 
that like connecting with my values was what supported me through moving into a place where I do have autonomy over my body. And I can understand like, Hey, do I want to pursue fat loss right now? And I can say, Hey, does that align with my values at the moment? And I can make that decision for myself. And so I'm going to, I've, I've linked this in previous shows, but I'm going to link it again as I actually have a values exercise that I will link in the show notes for you. So if you want to go through and do that, please go for it. Um, because it aligns really well with what Ren is saying. Um, it, the second thing that I would say is, um, dive into your intention, right? Um, and that, it's, it's odd for a lot of people because they're very familiar with goals, but not intentions. Uh, I, I love to introduce people to intentions because it allow it's doable right now. The, the challenge with the goal, and there's nothing wrong with the goal. Obviously I love goals. The challenge with the goal can be that, every second up to hitting whatever that thing is that exists in a finite one second space. You can only hit a goal for a second, like the second after the goal's over, the second before you don't have it. So everything that leads up to a goal could be challenging if you're in for a long haul. You know, there are different types of situations for, for different people. Some people have a lot of trauma to uncover over time. Some people, if, if weight loss is the goal that they choose, some people have a lot, a lot of weight that they want to lose over time. Um, some people have a lot of athleticism that they need to develop over time. Uh, you know, I've had people tell me that they, they got to do a PT test. They want to become a, 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 a police officer, et cetera. And they know they're two years out from it and they, they're going to take two years to get themselves where they need to be. So a goal can seem far off and kind of distant and it can be difficult sometimes uh, to maintain uh, your effort. Uh, I like intentions because they speak directly to body autonomy because it's something that you intend to be. It can be that from day one. Quick example, if you have a goal of getting married, right? And as so many of my friends have been married, a lot of my friends at this point, I'm 48, a lot of my friends at this point have been married twice, right? You have a goal to get married. Uh, and I used to, I think Jillian knows this about me, but I, I used to be what they call an R&B singer. Uh, so I was in a lot of weddings through the 90s and the two, early 2000s, a wedding singer, you name it. Um, but I've seen people freak out every single second up to their wedding, stress out every single day. But I've also seen people af after their wedding with that now what look on their face. And those are people that end up divorced ultimately. And I'm not picking on people who get divorced. You have the right to choose. What I'm saying is that's different. That goal of having a wedding is different from the intention of I'm going to be a loving and supportive partner. I'm going to value my partner. I'm going to make sure that they value me. Uh, and I'm going to communicate clearly through the course of our relationship. You can do that on date two. You don't have to wait to hit the goal to live that intention. And if you're operating through the lens of body autonomy, you get to decide upfront, I'm going to be a person that moves their body purposefully twice a week. I'm going to be the type of person that has a growth mentality, that's willing to hear other sides and circumstances uh, that are in line with what I want to get, when I, what I wanted to attempt. Uh, but I am ultimately going to respect my decision for my health. Whether you get to 10 pounds lost or whether you get to 20 more pounds on your bench press or whether you get into your size six jeans, the intention 
happens all the way up into that point, through that point, and after that point. And a lot of times people will sacrifice their body autonomy for a goal because they just want it at all costs. And they'll give someone else the power to tell them to do all kinds of batshit crazy things just to get there. Um, a goal can be a direct, it can be a direct link to giving away your autonomy just to get to that one infinitesimal point in your life where you hit that one thing. Intentions rarely cause for you to give away sort of your body autonomy and agency. So that, that'd be number two for me. Oh, I like that. I like that. Something as you were speaking, I was like, you know what? I think a really important thing for us to remember in this conversation is one, you get to question the information that's being thrown at you. Like that is your right, whether it is someone that is posting something on Instagram and you want to write a comment or send them a DM and be like, hey, like, I don't really get this. Or it's a coach or it's a doctor or it's your friend, right? You get to question that stuff. And that also goes for the thoughts inside your own head. Yes. And this can happen. You know, I think that a lot of the time we have like, this happens a lot with goal weights, for example, like mm -hmm. you'll have this goal weight in your head. You're like, well, things will be great when I hit X, Y, Z weight. You get to question that. And that is part of body autonomy is you get to question it and be like, where did this number come from? And does this actually, does this information actually align with my intentions, with my values, with the type of life that I want to lead? That yes. is the introspective work that you get to do yes. as someone that can practice body autonomy. So yeah, I think Ren, if you have one more for, for us and then we can kind of wrap up. Yeah. Monitor your social media. This, oh, yeah. this, this oh, tip yeah. works with every, every discussion that like we've ever <laughs> had on Clubhouse. Every live session, Jillian and I get back to this. You know, you've got to be mindful of what uh, my father is a is a minister. I'm a preacher's kid. That's part of what's wrong with me. Um, but in ministry, he's an African African Methodist Episcopal Zion minister. Amy's. I have no idea what any of those oh, words it's, mean. So, it's it's so it's so black churchy. Like I, I, you know, we, we have to have that conversation sometime, Jillian. I would love uh, to, because I am a, like my whole family is Jewish. Yeah. And like, yeah. I just don't, like, I don't have a full grasp on all of these different, like <laughs> right. religions things. It's, it's a lot. And then, and, you know, I'm generation X. So there's that whole thing in any case, but anyway, but one thing that he's, he talks about all the time in, in his, in his preacher voice, because, uh, you know, Black preachers have like a, the coolest preacher deep, voice in the, the world. Deep yeah, voice. yeah. He's like, you gotta what you want to do out that church. You you gotta guard your gates. You're not Don't doing be, a very good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not doing it great. Uh, this this is why I'm not a minister. This, this is why I followed in the fitness footsteps and not and not the minister footsteps. But he talks about guarding your gates, right? And what he means by that is your eyes, the things you look at, your ears, the things that you hear, and your mouth, the things that you let out of your gate. He always talks about guarding your gates. And for me, that's what social media is, right? Um, if the differentiation between you respecting your body and, it's, and being autonomous in its decisions and not sometimes falls to the information that you're taking in, you may happily give it away, you know, as you're watching things on social media, but that's a good gate because if if you see a lot of people that say that they're following things for inspiration, right? And then they end up feeling like crap. That's a differentiator. 
Like if you wake up every day and you go through your social media feed and you feel like shit, it's not, it's not inspiration. It's comparison. Minimize that. If you don't see anybody that looks like you, sounds like you, has the challenges that you do, guess what? You're isolating yourself in a way where you feel odd. You feel like an oddity. And that's not the truth. You know, we all think that we're the only one. You know, Jillian and I work, work across a concept sort of called shared humanity, where one thing we want to let our clients know is that, hey, you're not alone. It's not you. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong. Millions of people go through this and it's and it can be solved. Let's get to the let's let's get to that because you'll feel like if I'm a five foot seven inch, 48 year old non-athlete, if all I follow all day long are FIFA athletes, NBA athletes, NFL athletes, I will feel like I am physically inept. I cannot do 20% of what these men do. But fortunately, I'm following other coaches like me. I'm following Gen Xers. I'm following people in their 50s so I can see how I'm going to live that stage of my life. It normalizes me. And a lot of times what we do on social media abnormalizes us. And that doesn't feel good. And that's a gateway for you feeling like everyone else around you knows better. And at the first instance of help presented, you're very, very willing to give yourself away to the person that you hire based on typically relatively shallow reasons, just that the aesthetics that they present. So monitor your feed, man. Monitoring your social media feed is such a move. It's a vibe uh, in 2020. Um, because you have access to do that. We're in 2022. 2022, whatever. Um, <laughs> I was like, wait so a minute. <laughs> I, I told you guys I was 48. Um, get off, you kids, get off my lawn. Um, but in any case, um, yeah, but it's, it's a vibe and apparently in 2022. Uh, so, you know, change that because you have the power to change it. And you'll notice almost instantly how much better you feel. Don't, don't, don't follow, don't follow mean people, right? Just don't, don't do that. You know, start with Gina and Michaels. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, Ren, I think that we have, I, I, something I'm working on is I need to stop saying, I think before every sentence. And I like, sometimes we'll try to edit it out of the podcast. So I apologize <laughs> to you listening. If you've heard me say, I think at the beginning of every sentence, I am in the process of working through that and making that something that I do not do. And I, I apologize for, well, I don't apologize for anything. I am working on it. Let, let um, me interject before you finish, because I, I got to give you some flowers, Jillian, because I, I've known Jillian. I've had a lot of conversations. Yeah, with like we I, have had a lot of conversations. I, I feel like I've had like 10 years worth of conversations. I was about to say, I've known Jillian for like a decade now. We've had a decade worth of conversations. Yeah. And one thing that I know about Jillian at all points is Jillian never stops working on Jillian. Not ever. Whether she's whether it's therapy, whether it's, uh, you know. The, her her attention span and, and knowing and admitting that I you know I don't focus and I'm working on foot like she's always working on being the best version of Jillian that she can be and she does that with no ego uh, with no assumption of perfection always with a growth mindset and I learned so much from hearing you self-manage 
because she will self-manage on the spot like she just did on this podcast. And, and I think if I think if your listeners don't get anything else from the content of the podcast, I love the fact that they get to witness a wellness professional prioritize growth mindset improvement in sort of a self-effacing way as often as you do it. Because I don't think I've ever had a conversation with you where you did not catch yourself in a behavior that you're attempting to, to, um, to monitor, where you didn't just articulate, guys, I was spazzing out. I'm trying not to do that. Or guys, I was washing dishes in the background. I'm trying to stop multitasking. Like you're always in process. And that for me is a sign of an excellent coach. Because if they're always in process, it is. If they're always in process, um, that means they're always taking in more information. And five minutes from the time you work with Jillian, you'll get a completely different and better coach in the next five minutes because she's always in process. Um, I appreciate you for that. And thank you. Thank Thank you for teaching in that way. Thank you. That is like such that's so nice. And I feel like I feel very seen right now because I feel like something that I, so I've, I've sort of had this and I'm going to cut us off in a minute because otherwise I knew this was going to happen. Going into the second hour here, Jillian, <laughs> let's go for three hours. But I, so I feel like something that I've, something, a principle that I've tried to live by for a really long time now, probably going on close to 15 years, really like coincides with when I started changing my eating habits and my exercise habits actually, is this idea of if I'm not learning, and this might be a bit extreme, but like, if I'm not learning, I'm dying. And I think that that is really, really, it is extreme. And I think that that could be sort of like the more or the less self-compassionate side of me coming out sometimes. But the fact of the matter is, is that I feel like learning and growth is a sign of life, is Mm -hmm. a sign that we are doing something. And I, and I think that, oh, I did it again. I caught myself. It's all right. What I see often is that we get stuck in the process of growth And we feel like the process of growth is a sign that we're not progressing. Mm -hmm. Whereas the process of growth itself is progress. Mm -hmm. And that I think goes along really well with what you were saying about the growth mindset versus fixed mindset, which we'll probably just have to schedule a whole other podcast to talk about that specific term. Why not? I'm going to cut myself off now. And I'm going to ask you where people can find you so that they can follow you and see the stuff that you post because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at fitness, F-I-T-N-E-S-S, Jones, J-O-N-E-S, training. Uh, and if you type that in on any platform, I'll pop up. I promise. Not in a scary way, though. And you you can't <laughs> see Ren right now, but he is actually wearing a Fitness Jones training t-shirt, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Pretty yeah, cool. It's pretty cool. So- pretty. Pretty, pretty cool. I don't know where that came from. Anyways, so with that, I just want to appreciate you. If you have made it through this sort of last few minutes of us sort of just being us, I want to thank you for hanging out. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you somehow made it made it here because Ren posted this on his social media, you've never heard me before. So happy to have you here. Um, if you want to listen to me do weird voices and go off on random tangents and give you some actionable <laughs> tips, you can come back, come back next week for another podcast episode. If you're only here to hear Ren, I totally understand that. Um, you can find uh, links in the show notes for this episode. I'm going to link Ren's 
Instagram so that you can find Ren if you would like to follow him. I'm also going to link a, an interactive values exercise. It's a Google form that you can fill out that will walk you through a process to actually understand your values a little bit better, which goes along really well with a lot of the things that we talked about today. If you have any questions about coaching with either of us, please reach out. We would love, love, love to talk to you. And oh, and last thing, if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please go ahead and leave me a rating. That's a really awesome way to help other people find the podcast. Another awesome way to help people find the podcast is by sharing it with them, directly sending them the link and being like, hey, friend, you should listen to these words. So with that, I am going to let Ren go. We're going to let you go as well. And thank you so much for being here. Bye, Ren. Bye-bye.